I'm Allie Spears, and this is The Dirt, where we dig deep with those helping to feed the world. Episode 34, Mackenzie Kimbrough. So I'm super excited today to sit down with Mackenzie. Uh, she's an Arizona gal who's also a sixth generation rancher, influencer, and the host of Roots Run Deep, um, and so much more. I feel like you have a million things going on. Um, but Mackenzie, if you would not mind kind of just telling us a little bit about yourself to get things started today. Yes, and thank you so much, first off, of course, for having me on the show. We met during the national finals in person this last year, so that was really exciting to get to connect there. But as you mentioned, first and foremost, I am a sixth-generation cattle rancher. I ranch and work alongside my family every day here on our places in Arizona. And the artsier side of what I do is I do marketing and advertising in the Western fashion and lifestyle industries. And I like to say that because influencer is such a hard term for me to come to peace with somehow, but I'm a blogger and I get to work with brands all over the country and share really cool things with our online communities on Facebook and Instagram. So we, like you said, have a lot of other things going on too, but those are my two main passions. Yeah, and like um, like Mackenzie just mentioned, we got to meet in person, which was a rare thing this year, or l- last year, I guess you could say, and this year too, moving into 2021, it feels like, um, but she was hosting uh, Roots Run Deep live on stage, and that was in the same kind of building where we were as vendors, um, so that's kind of how um, we got connected in person. I had followed you for inst- on Instagram and stuff, and then it was kind of like one of those moments when you're like, oh, wait, this is this person, and she's right there, and she's in real life, and this is weird, but <laughs> I'm glad we could meet kind of situation. But somehow we're already friends. We've never right? met <laughs> until yeah. that moment. We already know each other. Yeah, no, I love that. <laughs> Social media is so weird in that fashion and way that it's just like, you feel like you know people, even though you've literally never met them. <laughs> Yes. And I think that's actually changed the social norm a little bit. Like when you finally meet someone in person, you're like, I know so much about you. Is that weird? <laughs> yeah. And it's almost like, okay, well, um, I know this, this, and this. So like, how should we, like, what should we talk about kind of situations sometimes? <laughs> yes, no, exactly. Plus on the personal side, like, oh, I know all about your family and your dogs and how is this situation going? So that's fun. Exactly. But how I kind of want to dive into Roots Run Deep a little bit and how you kind of got to be hosting um, that live at NFR and kind of how all that started. Okay, so it's it's a little bit of a crazy story and it's such a blessing. I want to start out with that. But um, in 2014, I graduated high school and my grandma passed away in the same month. And in the next month, my mom and I wrote a cookbook called Roots Run Deep, Our Ranching Tradition. And that kind of honors my grandma's legacy and kind of skiffs the tip of the iceberg, if you will, all about our ranching heritage here, what we do, our family, things like that. And the year after that, I was a Arizona beef ambassador and a national beef ambassador. And I got to travel the state and the country and promote beef and talk about our ranching lifestyle and kind of share that story. And from that, I was able to start a blog course called it Roots Run Deep that has become my brand and from the blog we got a one-hour special presentation on RFD TV which was great that was in about 2017 I think and then since that we've tried to take that show and make it more of a digital platform and utilize social media so that anybody who wants to watch it anywhere in the world can at any time so 
basically uh, what we do is we film Roots Run Deep episodes and we've started filming more in the last couple of years. I do a lot of like cooking segments and then we're editing together some ranching stuff as well. And those all air on social media. But probably one of the most exciting things that we do is, as you said, host the live talk show every morning during the national finals rodeo. And so I've been so blessed to know people in Group W Productions who puts on the Roper and Stetson Cowboy Marketplaces there during the finals, and they have a live stage for entertainment, and I get to have a one-hour slot every morning. And on the show, we film it, and it airs on social media as well, but all of our guests are from literally all walks of life. So we have ranchers, we have rodeo athletes who are competing or are big in the industry. We have other agriculturalists, we have tradesmen, we have musicians. Honestly, anybody from anywhere is welcome on our show as long as they have some kind of roots to the Western lifestyle. And it's been a lot of fun. This is the second year that we've been able to do it on stage and it's such a blessing and we get to talk to so many cool people. Yeah, it was really cool kind of being there and hearing it every morning, obviously, um, but just kind of hearing different people's stories and like how that connects to the Western lifestyle and agriculture and kind of all of that. So I know like as a listener and viewer, it was a really cool experience to see it all live too. Thank you. I sure appreciate that. It's fun to be able to do things live because telling those stories has always been such a passion of mine. And like I said, this is a great opportunity for that, but being able to do it live amidst people who have such an appreciation for the lifestyle is so cool. And after the show's over, people come up and get to talk to the guests that were on the show and stuff and just hearing them connect and share their stories about, oh, I heard your song on the radio or I can relate to what you were talking about growing up as a ranch kid or whatever. That's what makes it all so rewarding. Yeah. And kind of finding those connections to other people, right? And letting the the stories and connections grow from there. Yes, exactly. And that's half of how we get our guests for the next year <laughs> is those connections get put together during the finals and then our shows get shared as episodes on social media after that and all the stories that come from those. I get some really great recommendations from people all over the country and even all over the world. We're working on hopefully one of these years in the age of technology, getting some interviews done with some folks down in Brazil as well as Australia. So it'll be cool to kind of take Roots Run Deep International sometime. Yeah, that's so cool on a global global scheme and just to kind of see how people do things in different parts of the world too, right? Yes, exactly. And I think it's cool that, especially when you're talking about the agriculture industry, it is such a deep-rooted family, and I don't care if you're from America, obviously that's where we're both from, but I have people who have connected, like I said, Australia, Brazil, um, some Belgium agriculturalists actually just reached out because we did an interview about border politics. We live on the border, so we do a lot of interviews there, but agriculturalists from all over the world, no matter their trade and no matter their location, are so deeply rooted together. It's really cool, like you said, to make those connections. Yeah, and that's one thing I think too about the the community in general is there's a lot of other industries and communities obviously that are I'm sure tight-knitted, but I feel like agriculture is very special in the fact that that's all you have to have in common with somebody and like it's an instant connection and friendship almost. It's crazy to me sometimes how how it all connects. No, I agree completely. 
and I know one of your common questions to your guests was always, um, you know, how, how do they connect to the Western lifestyle and um, what does it kind of mean to them? And so I know you went into a little bit about your ranching heritage and all of that, but what, like, how does the Western lifestyle and roots and all that, like, how does that impact you kind of on a daily basis? Yes. And so I, as I said, and as I will always say, I'm truly blessed to be able to live the life that we live here. Um, I am a sixth generation cattle rancher. So my family came and homesteaded in Arizona in the late 1800s. And I chose at the end of high school to pursue the ranching heritage and try to keep up our traditions here rather than go make a different career. And yet I'm able to also have a diversified career that kind of goes hand in hand with ranching, but kind of shows a different side of the aspect of the lifestyle. So on a day-to-day basis, some days it's full on ranch work and we're getting ready to start branding and stuff here this spring. And of course, fall works take up a lot of time when that comes and that's my favorite time of year. But um, on a day-to-day, of course, taking care of the animals here at the ranch, caring for cattle, I don't care where I am or what I'm doing. I guarantee at some point during the day, I'm going to either have to go put minerals out for cows or start a pump to make sure everything has water or feed the horses at the barn or whatever. Um, And then kind of like I mentioned, the artsier side is getting to work with the brands on the fashion and clothing and trades side of of that Western lifestyle. And so getting to tell the stories of brands who hold the Western way of life in their hearts And that's become a really cool opportunity to kind of tie back in those roots that we all cherish so much in a way that's more accessible to a lot of people. So honestly, it's every day is different (laughs) and that's kind of what makes things so exciting and also so overwhelming every now and then when the the busy season hits, it gets a little bit crazy, but um, it's cool that I can kind of tackle both sides of a lifestyle. And I know like for agriculture and kind of just people who are kind of in our situations, getting through that wall or bubble to people like a general consumer type of person is something Mm -hmm. that's always a challenge. So as you, who as somebody who understands the ranching side of things and all of everything that goes into that, and then also kind of this marketing communications influencer side of things, how, I mean, it all works together, but in your opinion, like what's the recipe for success there? Honestly, I'd say the biggest tip and something that I've always tried to stay true to is being transparent. And I don't mean like share every bit about your day and everything that happens and all of the good and all of the bad. I don't mean putting it all out there for the world. But when we tell our stories as agriculturalists, whether it be ranching like I am or any facet of the ag industry, we have to know that we're speaking to someone who has a direct impact on our industry as a consumer. Mm -hmm. And we may be their only connection to the industry. And so I feel like it's so important that we're transparent and we're willing to provide them with information in an easy to consume way. So even though, for example, we're ranchers in Arizona, even talking to other ranchers in other parts of the country, we all do things a little bit differently. So being able to adjust the way that we tell our story so that it's easy for consumers and people who may not live the way of life to digest and understand and help them appreciate what goes into what we do every day 
I think that's key in telling our stories. And um, I was actually, when I was a state and national beef investor, I was super fortunate to get some incredible training. The ladies behind the Arizona Beef Council and one of the gals that was at Arizona Cattle Growers at the time, I owe them way more than I could ever repay them for as far as training is concerned, um, especially dealing with consumers and media and learning I get really excited about this. <laughs> Learning how to share our story and add in some quick facts that really help kind of drive it home. And like I said, being transparent and relatable, whether it's as a young millennial generation person, or maybe once you get to the stage of relating to the mamas in the grocery stores or someone who's concerned about their family, we can all relate in one way or the other. And so telling those stories from our hearts is my biggest tip honestly <laughs> yeah and I'm so glad you said it like that too because I think sometimes as um, you know advocates we get caught up in oh well they just don't get it like they're just uneducated but on the flip side of that maybe we aren't telling the story properly to whoever our audience is so I'm so glad that you mentioned it like that um, because I think it's just like I said important to cater to your audience and can find that connection to where it is relevant to them really Yes, no, absolutely. And it's so interesting. And I've had some really cool experiences where I didn't expect to be able to relate to everyone. I don't, and we all have to acknowledge that going into a situation, right? Not everyone's going to understand where we're coming from. And we're not going to understand where they're coming from all the time either. But it's so interesting and so cool that as advocates in our industry, if we're telling our stories and really listening to who's on the other end of them and what their concerns are, it's amazing to hear how they relate in a way that maybe we didn't think that they were going to. So for example, um, our family's big into conservation and of course ranchers are everyday environmentalists taking care of land and livestock, right? So sharing that story to new mothers, it was a specific group that we were um, educating I did not expect that to be what they connected so deeply to. But when we told them that ranchers are everyday environmentalists and and what we do with caring for the land and the livestock and providing waters and practicing range management is so beneficial to wildlife populations, man, they got it. They were like, oh, that's so cool. And their relation to it was, we love seeing deer and we love going hiking with our family on the weekends and we didn't even realize that ranchers have such a big role in keeping wildlife populations healthy because of the rangeland management. So it's so cool and we just have to be prepared with a lot of stories and and like I said, share anything that you think might be a great connection and be open to hear what they have to say as well. How cool that they were able to pick that thing out of everything, right? That they could make that quick connection with. And two, to be able to understand, like, I mean, we just touched on this as far as understanding your audience and everything, but knowing, okay, this is what we're dealing with and how, like, everybody's lives is connected to agriculture in some way, shape, or form as they ate or they got dressed that day, right? You're connected, but people don't want to hear the facts about here's all the statistics and kind of creating that story to be appealing to them, I guess, is really the the way to string it all together in a in a in a neat package too. <laughs> yes. And getting that hook to step into a conversation is vital. So <laughs> 
And that's one thing I think that's so cool about this whole Western fashion thing that is totally taken off because that's something that a lot of people can connect with is the fashion side of things. And now that that is such a huge thing as far as like, it's everywhere now. I mean, you see boots on Vogue, like who would have thought that that would be the thing that's taken off, right? Um, But can you talk a little bit about that too, as far as how you've kind of made that connection and strung it all together that way as well? Yeah, so, and I want to touch on the Western industry having an impact on mainstream fashion, just real quick. It's so cool to see the cowboy boot and the cowboy hat are two iconic elements of our lifestyle that are part of an everyday life for most of us. And being able to see them integrated into mainstream fashion is great. And honestly, it's been an opportunity to make further connections because now that, as you mentioned, fashion influencers are such a big deal and there's so many of us in the western industry who are connecting with people all over because of fashion something that's accessible I've had more followers on Instagram reach out and say I'm here because I like your outfits or because you post about turquoise or whichever but I'm still here because you're doing that and you're sharing a story that I didn't know I needed to hear Yes. And that is, of course, talking about the ranching side of things. And one other thing about mainstream fashion, integrating those Western elements and kind of taking nods from our lifestyle. I think it's important. And I think it's been a conversation more so in the last year, as far as what I've seen from the Western industry people, specifically those in rodeo. Mm-hmm. It started as a conversation of, well, they're doing it wrong, as in mainstream fashions, not doing it right by adding boots and making an outfit look that's really chic, but adding a boot so that they can look a little bit Western or whatever. And the conversation has changed from they're doing it wrong to how cool they're acknowledging our way of life. And this is our opportunity to talk to them about what we do and to share our stories, right? And so it's an, uh, a moment that we didn't really realize would be a chance for advocacy, but just sharing our stories in general and bringing those people in. A lot of folks who follow mainstream fashion have no idea about agriculture, and that's okay because that's not something they were raised with, but the chance to have it in mainstream fashion and tell our stories because of it, I think, has been really unique, and um, as far as Western fashion influencers are concerned I'm excited to see that they've taken hold of that too and have started to use that as kind of a foothold and getting themselves into those conversations oh yeah absolutely I mean they're using their platforms in awesome ways because they're doing the fashion thing and then they're like oh hey by the way you know this is x y and z of whatever they may be actually doing on the farm or on the ranch or whatever it may be Um, exactly So I think that is such a cool opportunity for the industry as a whole, because I think it's just going to continue to grow from there. And then with people who are connected in both ways, um, you know, even furthering their platforms and stuff. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I like that as well. 
yeah, no, I agree completely. And it's it's been so cool to see the Cowboys, especially kind of referring to yes. on a rodeo level, accepting, I don't want to say outsiders because they're not outsiders. There's, it's not like we're a clique or anything in the Western industry, but accepting that people are so interested in what we're doing, whether it be in the rodeo arena where it's the most accessible probably for most people, that's where they're going to get to see a cowboy first. Right. Um, and, and seeing those cowboys kind of embrace that and, you know, talk to their fans and get to share the integrity of the lifestyle as well, just by being the genuine cowboys that they are and having those conversations. I think it's really cool. Yeah, it's something that um, I'm excited about. And honestly, it's kind of funny because, I mean, I know I remember growing up, like I lived in a kind of a rural community, rural town, but like people weren't on the farm or on the ranch on a daily basis. Like I was the kid that went to school in my boots covered in cow crap because I had to go feed in the morning and people were like, oh my God, like what's that smell type of situation. And, you know, on Western day for a spirit day or something, like I just wore what I would wear to a cow show or whatever it would be. And like, that's now what mainstream media is wearing. It's just so cool and so funny to me too, at the same time that that's the popular thing or that Carhartt is like a huge you know, mainstream brand now. And I'm like, oh my God, like we've been wearing Carhartt for years and we've been know. fashionable since we exactly. were children. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's such a cool transition to see and um, hopefully it carries on. Yeah, no, I'm excited and I, I'm optimistic that it will. And I think that's large in part to how the Western industry embraces it. Yeah. Well, and, and too, I mean, kind of going back to NFR, that's kind of I mean, we joke that that is the fashion week for Western rodeo people. I mean, that is, if you're going to wear it, that's where you're going to wear it, right? And so um, I think catching attention there too has kind of created a more of a buzz as well. Yes, for sure. Especially when the NFR takes over Las Vegas. I know that town loves when we're there. First this past year, it was in Texas and right. a little bit more rooted and not as, uh, not as crazy uh of a reception there but when we take over Las Vegas for the national finals I know walking down the street people are like oh my god there's a cowboy I want to take a picture with him they yeah. want so bad to be part of our lifestyle and that's really cool and you're right it is like fashion week for uh the western fashion and some of us go a little bit crazy but it's yeah. a lot it's <laughs> our one time to do it right you might as well yes and it's the only chance that most of us have to wear like a fur coat if it yeah. happens to be cold <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So what is switching gears? What is it like ranching in Arizona and where you guys are specifically close to the border? I mean, I'm sure there's lots of challenges and lots of exciting things as well, but what's it like? Yeah. So growing up here um, was such a cool and unique experience. I'm actually in the Southeast corner of Arizona, quite literally, if you draw a map and pinpoint the bottom corner of Mexico and New Mexico, you've got us, you're there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so growing up in the borderlands, of course, as you said, has its own unique set of challenges being in such close proximity. One of our ranches, which is where I am today, our Southern boundary is the United States and Mexico international border. And so our family has always been very involved in border politics and border security issues on all different levels, whether that's more recently kind of dealing with the construction madness right. of the new border wall right. or having meetings with politicians and immigration officials about 
border security or immigration reform or what ranchers are dealing with here on the ground or how border patrol can try to be more effective or you know a various range of challenges that we've all tried to deal with and and like i said my family's been a big part of that and we've done interviews <laughs> many many news interviews I'm mostly sure. because um like i said our proximity but also because we are and and i say this very nicely I, because i love all of the neighbors and everyone else who's always done border interviews but we're one of the more level-headed families and we try to acknowledge both sides of an argument and right. try to give real world experience to those arguments and so um that's been an interesting set of challenges one of the most recent interviews in the last year that we did was a news crew from belgium they came and that was really interesting and really great of course leading up to the election um but they wanted to tell the story and this is kind of cool too talking about folks who don't grow up in the ag industry learning and realizing that there are stories to be told beyond the issues and so the most recent interviews over the last two years when reporters get here they realize that beyond the issue that we're talking about with the border they put a face to the issue right and so right. they tell our story and that's an opportunity for us to kind of put it out there too about ranchers and how we care for the environment and we're here for the long haul and that's kind of gives us more credibility too about border issues but the other side of it that's more fun growing up in the borderlands has been amazing i went to school in a border town spanish was a second language for me and i wouldn't trade that for anything i mean the people here the culture the food the colors everything else has been such a big part of our life and one of the hashtags that I use in social media is Southwestern style because it's very specific to this region. And I think it's very cool um, that we get to integrate that into our lifestyle and I wouldn't change it for a thing. <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad you kind of talked about uh, going back to the um, issues and stuff. That mm -hmm. is something I think that people don't think about, you know, they think about it as a political issue, but they don't think about the people that it may be impacting on the back line of things. And then the chain of supply, once it does impact you guys, right? Yes, exactly. And so, for example, um, some of the border issues that we've dealt with for the last 30 years, longer than my lifespan, <laughs> has been human trafficking as well as drug smuggling. And so we are in a big corridor for that here, like I said, because of our proximity, but also because of the ruralness of our area. It's a big, vast, beautiful landscape. And it provides a lot of opportunity for smugglers to come through, whether it be with humans or drugs. And that's been an interesting, um, interesting process to see unfold. It used to be thousands of people coming through and then it turned into less people and more drug smugglers. And then more recently it was the asylum seekers. So it was a lot more human traffic coming through again. And as a rancher, um, not, not to dive into the issue necessarily, but as a rancher dealing with it on the ground, we have fence lines that are cut so it affects our bulls and being in with our cows so our calving season is more sporadic than a lot of other people in other countries in other parts of the country right. that can control that better or our pipelines get cut because um the traffickers are looking for access to water so we have a lot of rocky country here we don't get to bury our pipelines very deep so they'll just cut through the pipeline and then they get their drink and move on but if we aren't on that part of the ranch that day, we don't see it right. and it drains the storage tank and cattle are out of water or anything yeah. like that. So 
those have been some issues. And luckily in the last couple of years, it's slowed down as far as that's concerned, but the damages and the land values and things like that in this region have really been a challenge because of the border traffic. Yeah, I'm sure. And just kind of, uh, yeah, all of the other extra stuff you wouldn't think about if you don't have to deal with that on a daily basis, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I believe someone, it was at the University of Arizona, I think, but they did a study for like a master's thesis or something at right. one point. They uh, recognized the detrimental impact of illegal smuggling through ranches here okay. and how much more it costs per head for us to raise our cattle compared to other parts of the country. And it was significant. I don't remember the number offhand and I'm not going to even try to quote it, but it was a significant number and it was um, their report gained national news attention. So it was very interesting when it happened. How interesting. Yeah, I was going to ask if there was, I mean, I'm sure there's added costs as far as damages and all that kind of stuff, but um, sure. wow, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Crazy. So, so again, I'm going to switch roles on you a little bit because you're such a busy woman and you have so many irons in the fire. How yes. do you balance all of it? <laughs> Honestly, I don't think I balance it extremely well. <laughs> If I'm being completely honest. A million dollar question, right? A million dollar question, yeah. And if I knew the answer to it, I'd probably have a million dollars. But um, it it's honestly a, a mixture of things. I couldn't do anything that I do without the help and support of my family. And um, first and foremost, of course, they come first. And what we do here on the ranch comes first. And all other business comes second. But they have been such huge supporters. My mom and my grandpa specifically, and then my dad too. They've been right there with me from day one and every time I have some kind of crazy idea mom is trying to help me make it happen and um when my grandma was still alive she was she kind of was a driving force behind so much for me and taught me responsibility and and just being able to learn those lessons growing up on the ranch has helped me so much in trying to manage my time and and do things most efficiently <laughs> but I will be completely transparent here on the business side of things emails are my nemesis <laughs> they are bottom of my list and I'll skim them every day and make sure nothing important has come in but otherwise uh just trying to prioritize honestly on a daily basis so if I know that we're working cattle three days this week then the days that I'm in the office I try to write down a list and time manage myself and say, listen, you have one hour to do this set of things that is on a deadline. Yeah. And that's what I have to just try to go by. And it's got to be flexible. I had a hard time last year, to be honest and transparent here <laughs> during the pandemic. A lot of people were like, well, I bet your life hasn't changed very much because you work from home, quote unquote, a lot. And I was like, I do. It has cut down on my travel. But also it kind of threw everything for a loop because now not only am I time managing things, but other people who are working from right. home or doing the same thing. Yes. <laughs> and so trying to get schedules aligned has been kind of a challenge. And knowing that deep down at the end of the day, you can only do what you can do has been a huge like stepping stone for my own mental health. And I wrote it down actually. And it's on a post-it note in my desk drawer. You can only do what you can do. And I, we have to accept that and work our butts off to get everything done that we can and just move on and 
tomorrow's another day. <laughs> yep. And that's so true because I think people get caught up in the whole comparing game of everything. Now with instant gratification with everything online, it's easy to see how one person is doing 5 million things and you kind of feel lesser because you're maybe not doing quite as much when in reality, right. maybe you are, you're just not, it's not out there or something like that. Yes. Um, yes. I think that's key, especially, and it's interesting that you said the comparison game, because we've heard that term a lot bounced around in the social media side of things, just because we're not posting that we have 18,000 things going on. And this morning I was trying to sort through emails and work on my taxes. Yeah. Just because that's not out on social media right. doesn't mean it's doesn't, not happening. Exactly. Yep. And just because someone on social media or somewhere else is posting that, oh, well, I have this big project that I'm working on. And you think, oh man, I'd kill to be able to have time yep. to work on a big project right now. That's not the season you're in. That's exactly. not what you have on your list today. We all have our own business. We got to take care of what we can take care of and just know that that's part of the game. Exactly. Exactly. And kind of before we move into our rapid fire questions, I have one more question that kind of hopefully will bring everything that we talked about today together. But one of the kind of movements, I guess, and things that's just very popular right now is women in agriculture and the Western lifestyle and Western influences. Um, and kind of in your realm of things, how have you seen that shift happen and kind of maybe women's voices being utilized more? Oh man, and that's such a great question, something I'm very passionate about, and I've been really interested in seeing how the industry has taken hold of promoting women and allowing women, and I hate to say allowing because it's not like we were ever not allowed, but yeah, in, exactly. in my mother's lifetime, we just had this conversation the other day, if you really break it down from someone right now, say my career, if you were just going to explain it to someone who had no idea what you were talking about and said, I promote people and tell stories on the internet and I have other people who follow me that I've never met. Yep. <laughs> oh my God, that sounds terrible. Right? And as yep. he's like, don't talk to strangers. Don't yes. meet people met on the internet. Like don't give out personal information about your data. Yes. It goes against everything we were taught growing up, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she had, she was doing an interview earlier this week with another woman whose daughter's also an influencer in a different industry, but they were talking about if someone said, oh, I'm going to have a photographer come take pictures of me. Like in their time, that was yeah. a weird thing. And it was so weird. And so talking about women being embraced in not only the agriculture industry and the media industry, but in the world in general, being able to really project our voices and have a chance to tell our stories I think it's been so cool that so many industries are headed in that direction. And of course, some may abuse that a little bit and kind of push it a little too far on the yeah. feminism side of things. But the ag industry specifically, there are so many strong women who are quite literally the backbone of our industry. And uh, we're a little bit more relatable when it comes to the marketing side of things. We have more relatable topics that we can connect with on the consumer basis. And just in general, ranchers and farmers for generations have relied on, most, most of them, I will say, have relied on a strong woman figure in their family yep. to, and, and of course, historically, it was to take care of the household and take care of the kids and the finances and et cetera. 
and we do all that still and we're running our businesses and we're out there on the forefront working side by side with the men doing all these agriculture jobs and so it's cool that that's coming to a forefront and kind of getting more recognized now um and it's and <laughs> the other thing that's interesting is we get to share each other's stories right yeah. and so connections like this where maybe five years ago even you and I may not be getting the opportunities to tell other people's stories especially women in the ag industry and technology has had a big role in that because we can all connect from so far away mm -hmm. and we have different ways that we can tell our stories and so I think it's just all very exciting that was kind of a rambled answer but I'm just very excited about all of it <laughs> oh yeah and I couldn't agree more I think you said it perfectly it's just kind of the fact that we're able to um, not push the envelope in a negative way, but push the envelope as far as like what we set out to do and like the goals and dreams that we are accomplishing while still maintaining households and doing all of that stuff that everybody's done for years as well. Um, yeah. So kind of not switching gender roles by any means, but just showing that we do more and that we can do more kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. And plus, this is just me being biased, but I think women are better multitaskers anyway. So <laughs> Right. Now we can just put it all out there for the world. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Mackenzie, we've kind of gotten to the portion where um, we'll do our rapid fire questions. If you are ready. I'm as ready as I can ever be. I okay. have my full buzzer here on the table. <laughs> <laughs> so the first question is, what is your most used emoji? Um, either the heart, the rose, or the little light dancing with the red dress just because I get excited about things and I use her for that. <laughs> yeah, I use, I'm, I'm a um, frequent flyer of the red dress girl as well. Yes. Um, second one is must have item in your purse. Oh, shoot. Um, oh, I wasn't prepared for that. And I don't know why. <laughs> uh, beyond the essentials, like the basics of wallets and things right. like that. I, I'm going to say a couple things. One, I always have a miniature can of dry shampoo. And that may sound really like superficial of me, but dry shampoo works wonders and you never know when you're going to have to get photo ready. Yeah, in a you minute. never know when you need it. You never know. Uh, dry shampoo for sure. And a wild rag. I don't care what season it is or if I'm horseback too, I always have a wild rag in my saddlebag, not only for the fashion and function side of right. things, but we've also had a couple wrecks where we needed to tie up an arm or something and wild rags are just versatile for all facets of life. So always have one of those in my purse or my saddlebag. Right, the most versatile piece of fabric you could ever have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the last one is your best piece of fashion advice. Honestly, it's it sounds so cliche, but it's be confident because you have to love yourself before other people are gonna love you. And so if you put something on in the morning and you're like, man, I am rocking this outfit, everybody that sees you is going to see that confidence coming out of you and they're going to be like yeah she is that looks great not necessarily a specific like I always wear turquoise that's right. a, a tangible piece of advice is that any way to westernize or dress up an outfit but honestly the confidence and a smile will go further than any piece of clothing that you could ever buy love it well, Mackenzie, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad that we were finally able to do this after meeting back in December and now obviously virtually as well. Um, so thank you so much for joining me. And I hope that all of the listeners or watchers, viewers of this um, get a lot of, out of our conversation today and hopefully learn something new.
Yes. And I want to thank you so much for not only having me on the podcast today and having that opportunity, but just everything that you're doing to share those stories. Keep it up. You're doing a great job. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Dirt. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Ag Chicks and that the visual version of every episode can be found on YouTube on our Ag Chicks channel. We'll see y'all next time.